Good evening. Uh, for those of you that don't know me, my name is Isaac Lingman. Uh, I've been a Northside member for just over a year now, I'd say. Uh, moved here from Northeast Ohio, so a 14-hour trek across the country to good old Wichita, Kansas. And most people, when I say that, they're like, why in the world do you want to move to Wichita? Um, and I tell them for it's a job, but I will say, and before I start, that you know, moving 14 hours from every family member I have in Ohio is not the easiest thing, and especially in my line of work, I, I can be very stressful. Um, but every time that I come here to Northside, I always feel like I'm at home. Um, and I thank all of you for that. Um, I'm a salesman at heart. Sometimes it's hard for me, believe it or not, to talk to people outside of that. So um, if I wish I could meet all of you, and um, certainly it will take my chance to. Don't be afraid to grab me. Also, I um, would like to, to meet everyone. Uh, the congregation I grew up in was about 130 people on a full Sunday morning. Um, in college, it was about 500 people. So I got a little taste of the big church, um, but I love it here, especially the singing. But uh, tonight, I thought... Uh, well, something to, to speak about, and um, it's definitely no easy task to speak to people that need solid food and maybe not milk. Um, but I thought that I will take something that's kind of been heavy on me for a while and an experience that, that I uh, had. And not too long ago, actually last weekend, I uh, traveled to the great state of Washington um, and was able to experience the state for quite a few days, and leading up to it, uh, Emily and I went, and she had a friend that lives there, and they're talking about this hike, and it was, they said it was 10 miles, it wasn't the hardest thing you'd ever experience, um, but there was the, at the top, there was this great reward per se of this lake, um, and it's actually, the, it's called the Colchuck Lake. It's an eight-mile hike, round trip, four miles up a mountain, four miles down. One trail in, one trail out. And the Instagram photos you get for it are just spectacular, supposedly. Um, so we thought we would do this hike. Not a regular gym-goer. This is all good metabolism, not exercising. And so it was a little worrisome that, you know... I have an office job. I don't work outside as much as I used to, and we're going to go do this four-mile hike 2,200 feet up in the air. And so as we were going on this hike, this reminded me much of my faith journey. Um, you know, one trail in, one trail out. We get there. We wake up about 5 in the morning and drive to the trailhead. And even the drive to the trailhead, you have to climb up this mountain and get to um, a spot where you can park, and it was already busy. There's a lot of people already going on this trail. It was cold to start out with, and we start going. And probably not the best thing, but we let our guide, our friend that lives in Washington, go first. And it felt like we were on a dead sprint. Um, she hikes all the time, and we were just booking it. And holy cow, you know, I started huffing and puffing a little bit, and we weren't even a mile in, even a half mile in. And with that, that first thing reminded me of how we have a leader to push us. And we start going on this hike, and it's not the easiest thing in the world. It, uh, your muscles start hurting, the air's thinner, and you start reaching for more breaths. I was carrying a pack on me that I normally don't carry. 
And we continue up this trail, and as we're going, it gets more and more uncomfortable. And we could have said to, to stop and turn around, but I wanted to continue to go because I knew the reward at the top. And we finally reached the top, and as we're there at the top, um, we get to relax and rest a little bit and get all the great pictures that we've seen and heard about, and it truly is beautiful. It's a natural lake between two of Washington's tallest peaks, and it's all snow melt, so it's clear as day, a beautiful blue. And we get there, and I forget to mention, on the way up there, we kind of start to question, and we were questioning all the way on the trip, can we even do this? And then we start to see some people that looks like they can't make the trip either. Um, and ones that it looks like, well, if they can do it, I can do it, which was encouragement to us. And once we get up to the top, there are a few people, honestly, we questioned, would they be able to get up there? And as we're sitting up there looking at the water, we see those people come out, and they made it. And the excitement and joy we had for them, not even knowing them that they made it, and knowing how much more uncomfortable it was probably for them than for us was something that um, was truly spectacular. So that... And itself reminded me of, of the faith journey and how we all essentially help each other walk up this hike. But then the hike down wasn't easy either. The hike down was actually probably more difficult. We got it, my legs got a taste of rest. I was, we were sitting there eating on our crustable sandwiches. And we start to walk down and you start to use every muscle in your leg because you're not trying to fall down. And Emily was getting scared because I'd slip a few times and she thought I was going to take all of us down. But... The other thing is, with one trail down, by the time we got up there, and by the time we're coming down, it's about mid-afternoon. It took us about an hour and 45 minutes to get to the top. And at this point, there's many more people coming up this trail, and we're just passing each other all day long. And one thing that we start to do as we go down, especially since we're close to the top, and you see people huffing and puffing and encouraging them, telling them, you're almost to the top, you're almost to the top. And that, again, reminded me of the spiritual journey of how we get to places and we encourage others to get to the top and help them. So we were committed to get down. We were committed to get up. Um, Our leader was actually committed about not getting past on our way down. Um, She didn't like that too much, so we really kicked it into high gear. Um, But that itself was more uncomfortable, and we could have took our time and took more breaks and just let people go by. But we also had the reward of an air-conditioned car and going into to town. And so with all of that, I couldn't have done that without commitment. And during all of this, I was committed and committed for a few reasons for those few rewards. I was committed to go to the top and see the sites that everybody was talking about. I was committed to going down because our friend didn't want to get past and I didn't want, want her to be mad at me because we were slowing each other down. And the truth is, in all of our lives, whether young or old, all the places we've gotten to is because of commitment. Whether that's a job, a sport, families, relationships. You know, if it's a sport, you're waking up in the morning to practice. You're having two-a-days or practice after school and taking time from other things you could be doing. You know, the job, you're burning the midnight oil, you're waking up early, you're bending over backwards for, for your coworkers or clients, and you're making sacrifices. For families and relationships, you you have to do things for your spouse or your children that you may not want to do, and it may be uncomfortable, but you make that commitment. And where we've gotten to 
is, is not always easy to get there through that commitment. But the uh, biggest commitment that we have to Jesus and, and following Him requires us to be uncomfortable. And that's what I want to talk about tonight is, is being comfortable with being uncomfortable. And it's something that has really been, been weighing on me. Um, you know, this commitment that the Bible tells us, um, there, it, it tells us that there's going to be times where it's not comfortable. And, you know, like Steve talked about this morning, we tend to sometimes twist verses or people tend to twist verses. And there's also verses that don't make us feel good or don't help us look towards the future. And they're ones that may make us feel uncomfortable that we tend to gloss over a little bit. And in the Bible, there are the verses that make us feel good. And they're the verses that may not, may be uncomfortable or, or you know, not fun to listen to. But they're both equally true. And we both need both needed. So we'll spend some time in Matthew chapter five and, and around there. And obviously, Matthew chapter five is the the Sermon on the Mount. And starting out in chapter five, Jesus gives the the Sermon on the Mount to the great multitude, and they're all believing and in all of the teachings that he's been giving. And then he goes on to do a few more great things. He heals a leper, which is astounding. He heals the centurion that has great faith. And he heals many others. And all these verses that we read on the Sermon on the Mount tend us to make us feel good and happy to follow Jesus. But then we get to verse 18. And that's what I want to read at at this moment. Matthew chapter 5, verse 18. Okay, excuse me. Chapter 8, verses 18. So we go through the Sermon on the Mount and then we're in Matthew chapter 8, verse 18. And this is after Jesus cleanses the leper, uh, heals the centurion, and heals the many. And in verse 18, Now when Jesus saw a crowd around him, he gave orders to go over to the other side. And a scribe came up to him and said, Teacher, I'll follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds have air, of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Another of the disciples said to him, Lord, let me go first and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, follow me and leave the dead to bury their own dead. And so we have this scribe and this disciple that both come up to Jesus and, and want to follow him. And the one thing, sometimes when, when people come up to us or, or want to follow Christ or, or do his teachings, there's excitement. There's, you know, satisfaction and, and glorifying. And the one thing that Jesus doesn't do is, is congratulate them or say, you know, I'm so happy you made this decision, or that's, that's great. Or to the, the disciple, he said, you know, I understand, you know, go mourn with your family. It almost comes across as being blunt, and that Jesus doesn't show emotion, but gets straight to the point. And the disciple in verse 20, you know, his father, we don't know if he passes or is, is nearing passing, but he wants to bury his father, and Jesus almost still seems cold and contradictory to what the Bible tells us. You know, weep with those who are weeping, or take time to mourn, or go take care of your family. And, and Jesus doesn't tell the man any of that. You know, but in the Bible, we, we have those things that, that, are, that are told. And really what, what Jesus is saying is that we need to have a deeper and greater commitment to Him, and follow Him, which can be tough. We're not called to be committed to being the best 
son or husband or wife or employee or uh, anything in this world. And that's something that I feel, especially myself, can get caught up in is focusing on the worldly matters and commitment and not to the commitment of Jesus. But instead, we're supposed to be committed to Jesus and follow him. And by doing what Jesus tells us and being committed to him, we then become everything we're taught to be. We become that best son, best husband, best wife, by following his example and his commitment. And all these things cannot compete with Jesus for, for first place. And sometimes I think we tend to lose the focus of, especially in this world where we have the reward that we can think of and attain and grasp onto. You know, I could see the pictures of the lake at the top of the mountain and I could hear the stories about it. And I was more driven with that commitment to go there than something that we can't see or is tangible that Jesus tells us to be committed to. And Matthew chapter 10 verses 34 through 39 tell us this. So if you want to flip over there, just a page or two to Matthew chapter 10 verses 34 through 39. And it states, Do not think I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring priests but a sword. For I have come to set man against his father and daughter against his mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a person's enemies will be those of his own household. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. So again, this, this tells us that... When it comes to commitment, nothing can rival our commitment to Christ. And it's because no one can give us what Christ can give us. And sometimes it's hard to, to, to focus on that, especially when we're called to be these, these great people and, and in the world and society, and we have the societal norms of, of all these expectations, when, when really if we focus all of our commitment to Christ, Everything behind will follow, kind of Steve mentioned with abundance. And so when we continue on, these things can be very difficult. Uh, Commitment can be be hard. If we go back to verse 8 and 18 through 20, when the scribe comes up to him and says, Teacher, I'll follow you wherever you go. Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds have, of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. You know, when, when we go home at night, we have the comfortable home, a comfortable bed, a comfortable pillow. And even if we're traveling or doing things, at some point there's always the desire to go back home. And the Son of Man has no home. He was never homeless. He had places to stay, and he stayed in, in other places. He was in the wilderness. But he's telling this scribe, if you're following me, it's, it's not going to be easy. There, there is no home. And that's something that we need to... Keep in mind, because our whole society is centered on comfort and convenience. Um, It's We have this, in the world today, anxiety plagues us everywhere we turn. Um, It's uncomfortable to not have your phone. Um, Everywhere we travel around the airport, everybody's looking at their phone. If you don't have your phone, you, you start to panic. If someone talks to you and you're on your phone and someone comes up to you, you think they're the craziest person in the world. Um, sometimes, especially for, for kids my age. 
And, you know, today we have air conditioning in our vehicles and we have fast food. And if that isn't good enough, we have a drive through lane. So you don't have to get out and go get your fast food. Um, and so we're accustomed to, to all this comfort. But Jesus says with his commitment that there will be times it is uncomfortable. And if comfort and convenience are the most important things in our life, along with other similar things like that, then we're not following Jesus. And that's essentially what Jesus is, is telling the scribe and this disciple is, you know, if you want to go ahead and bury your father and, and do what's best for you, then you can't follow me. You know, he kind of came to two roads of, do I follow Jesus or do I go to, to bury my father? And that's something that, that we need to look at as well. And truly that's something that I tend to battle with at times is, you know, if we're not supposed to be comfortable and have convenience in this world, sometimes I ask the questions, you know, should I even strive to have a, a big home? Or should I strive to go on all these vacations? Or, you know, it, really trying to focus my mind on how I can serve Christ. Because especially in, as I'm growing and building my life to focus on the eternal and not the, the things of this world which is, is very difficult. So let's look at some examples of, of what Jesus um, calls us to, to do that may be uncomfortable. Um, and we're going to go back to the Sermon on the Mount, so Matthew chapter 5. And we're going to read through the Beatitudes here quickly. Matthew chapter 5, verse 2. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And so we look at this, and it it makes me think of, you know, how uncomfortable is it to be a peacemaker? If you're in a conflict with somebody, to swallow your pride and, and have humility and work towards having peace. You know, in today's day and age, everything's a fight. Everybody wants to sue everybody. Everybody wants to be right. You know, how hard is it to, to actually come to terms and, and work to have peace? You know, how uncomfortable is it to, to mourn and mourn with others when sometimes there, you know there's nothing you can do? There can be that awkward feeling and, and uncomfort of, of trying to help them. Or how uncomfortable do we have to be to be persecuted for righteousness' sake, especially in today's age? Or if we go down to verse 16... In Matthew chapter 5, where it talks about being the salt of the light. And in the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. You know, that's something that can be uncomfortable. If you're in a work setting and people are gossiping, do you take part of that? Or do you walk away or mention something? You know, or if, if there's a, a work event or peers that may be outside the church that have a party or something, is it uncomfortable to tell them that you can't go or for what reason or try to talk to them? You know, there's just a lot of things that, that really tend to make you think. 
Or if you move down further into the sermon on in verses 38 through 41. Have you heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for tooth? But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if anyone who would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Give to the one who begs from you and do not refuse to the one who would borrow from you. And so in this, how uncomfortable is it for Jesus to tell us that if you're forced to go one mile, we voluntarily need to go the second, even if they'll accept it or not, even if they'll do good things or not. You know, how difficult is it to further down and to, to love your enemies? It's, it's uncomfortable. And all of this doesn't mean that we need to be uncomfortable all the time, but there's going to be times where it is going to be uncomfortable, and there's going to be times that we need to do it ourselves and embrace it. You know, as disciples, sometimes we need to ask, when was the last time following Jesus made me uncomfortable? Again, as humans in today's society, we tend to avoid situations that make us uncomfortable. I mean, for me, sometimes it's uncomfortable to pick a seat in this church on Sunday morning. Am I going to pick someone else's wrong seat? You know, you desire and hunger to meet other people. But, okay, I don't want to go to the right side because someone may be sitting there. Or, you know, am I going to be able to talk to somebody or what may somebody may think? It's uncomfortable to, as a brother or sister to go up to another brother or sister in Christ and tell them what's going wrong in your life. You know, I have a problem, and I will admit it, that I tend to keep everything internal because I want to help other people with their problems and I'll handle my own problems. It's very uncomfortable for me to go and talk to somebody about what's struggling in my life, especially if I did something wrong and I know about it. And I want to encourage us to step outside of that. Because the crazy thing is that a lot of the times when you get past that little time of uncomfort, it's the best time of growth in your life. And we need to be hungry for those situations because some of the best moments of growth physically, mentally, and especially spiritually are when we are uncomfortable, when we push those limits. You know, the best athletes in the world go through all this uncomfort of practice and they continue to get better. You know, physically, if you're trying to get fit or, or get big or whatever your goal is, you're going to go through uncomfort, but you have that drive and that determination. And for us spiritually, we need to have that same push for, for being uncomfortable and not falling into what society tells us, because spiritually we are conditioned as humans to race out of those uncomfortable situations. If we're in it, we want to get out of it as soon as we can. And we especially don't want to go towards it or embrace it. And we're denying opportunity for God to grow our faith the way it needs to be grown when we run out of or avoid those uncomfortable situations. And I'm more preaching to myself than anyone here just because that's something that that has really been uh, on my heart and my mind. And this hike especially as, as my physical body was going through um, uncomfort, it reminded me of this walk. Because we do need to get comfortable with, with being uncomfortable. Um, actually, you know, a lot of times in society we have routines and as humans, routines make us feel at ease or in control, but in fact, they actually dull us 
um, to, to things in, in this world. We tend to get so caught up in our routines that we don't look for those, those new opportunities. And it's not a routine of I brush my teeth at 8 and then I eat breakfast at 8.30 or I go to the gym in the morning. You know, I, I have the routine and I'm honestly getting stuck in it that I go to work. I work as hard as I can. I don't have the same routine at my job, but my job physically is my routine. And then I come home and do the same thing. And that routine, every day I continue to do it, continues to dull me and helps makes me more comfortable in what I'm doing. A while back, Forbes actually had an article and a study that showed when you go out of your way to experience new things or when you let new things happen, your body creates new neural pathways that fuel creative spark and memory. Putting yourselves in situations, uncomfortable situations, new experiences, or seeing new experiences trigger a unique part in your brain that releases dopamine, the happy feeling. But is this unique part of the brain is only activated when you see or experience new things. And I read a few other studies and kind of dug into this a little bit. And the people that make themselves more uncomfortable and get into these situations, it's easier for them time and time and time again. So if we continue to push ourselves, not only will we continue to grow spiritually with Christ, but it also become easier for us to do. And I encourage us that when the same that we need to to get uncomfortable, because the same one who makes us uncomfortable and calls us to be uncomfortable, Christ, at times and at all times, is the same one who helps us grow while we're uncomfortable. And there's different types of uncomfort. If you know you're going through something and you need support. I know there's always someone in this church, especially with a church of this size, that there's going to be someone who went through that same thing. And I guarantee you, and especially speaking from personal experience, if you get through that short little phase of uncomfort, the reward at the end is going to be so much better. You feel like you've grown, you continue to grow, you want to help others. You know, let us not focus on that initial feeling of discomfort or fear but to push forward. And so I encourage anyone, everyone to ask, ask themselves, how committed are we, and are we committed to doing the uncomfortable? And when you encounter those situations or are afraid to face them, again, ask God to help you push through them and grow. Because I know it, it can be difficult, and for me, it's even hard to wrap my head around sometimes. But I know when... I go to the Bible and, and read His Word and read those uncomfortable thoughts. It actually makes sense, um, especially when you think about it in the real world of how we've advanced in our lives, of, of pushing ourselves and the commitment. But how many of us actually can say we have the same commitment to Christ that we do in our job or our sport, or our family, our relationship? You know, how, how many of us are or going out of our way to, to ask people how they're doing, or to, to talk to a stranger, or go out of the social norms and, and be a light for Christ. Because it is very difficult. But God calls us to do it, and Jesus says it's not going to be easy. But the more we do it, the more comfortable it will become, and the more we will grow spiritually. So I encourage everybody to, to challenge themselves. To If you face a situation where it may start to be uncomfortable or you look at a situation and you think it's not right for you or will be difficult, 
you know, pray and ask God, how can this grow me spiritually? And I guarantee if you start to look at it and we all start to change our mindset on how we look at those things, good change will come. So that's my lesson for this evening. Uh, I hope that it helped you as much as it helped me. It probably helped me a lot more um, going through it. Um, but I just encourage everybody to, to challenge themselves and, and help each other and uh, get comfortable with being uncomfortable. Uh, so with that, let us close in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you this evening together as a church, learning and studying from your word. Lord, we pray that you be with us as we go out into this week. Lord, we pray that you help us to pull out of the societal norms of this world and help us to focus on you and to strengthen our commitment towards you. Lord, we pray that you show us these uncomfortable situations and Help us to recognize and embrace them, that we may be the true lights that you want us to be, that way we may tackle these with, with effort, and that we may grow spiritually with you, and that we may grow others around us. Lord, I pray that you help us strengthen each other, that we may comfort all of each other, and Lord, as always, we know that you have, we have you, the great comforter. Lord, we just pray that you be with us as we go out into this week. We know that some of us are on highs, some of us are on lows. And we pray that you be with all of us and that we may encourage each other and work towards and walk in faith towards that goal in heaven of being with you. And Lord, most importantly, we thank you for your son that you sent to this world that we may learn from him and from his teachings and from your word. And we pray that we may apply it to our lives. And it's in his son's name that we pray. Amen.